Hello, hello. Welcome to the Health Cure Podcast. We are back with another guest, and it's actually the a repeat of our first guest that we ever had, which is, so we got Nick Giovanetti back. Uh, so he's always, I mean, I got to say he's my favorite guest probably. So, um, and today's topic is actually going to be over practical exercises for various populations and occupations. So we'll talk a little bit about um, certain, you know, populations like older adults over 65, um, you know, sedentary jobs, things of that nature. So we'll kind of go into that. Nick uh, has pretty extensive background in, in exercise. So, um, and Nick, uh, you know, welcome back. And if you don't mind, actually, just kind of introducing yourself again and, and tell us, you know, your qualifications. I know you're working on your doctorate just like me too. So if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Nick Giovanetti, also affectionately known as Coach G because I'm a certified strength and conditioning coach. I uh, work at Texas Western University with their football team and various athletes uh, independently. Uh, like uh, like Cam said, I'm getting my PhD, working on that. Uh, just moving forward and, you know, because I enjoy this, I enjoy exercise, enjoy helping people. That's pretty much the basis for everybody getting their PhD in anything that has to do with health and science. So that's basically it in a nutshell. Uh, I do also like, you know, I have hobbies and other stuff outside of that, but exercise is, is a big thing for me. It's helped me play sports. So, you know, kind of came in through that way. Uh, but beyond that, I realized all the benefits that you get with living a healthy lifestyle. And, and it's just, it's just a part of me. Start with, uh, I guess we'll start with gender. And uh, so what exercises do you believe should be emphasized more for females versus males and kind of go into that a little bit? Well, <laughs> uh, like everything, it always depends on where their their level of fitness is to begin with when you're assessing. You know, you're always going to assess somebody first when you go into the exercise. And with males and females, there are different types of approaches I go through, but nothing really that separates them that females can't do this or males can't do that. They can do everything. Females can do everything males can do, obviously. Uh, but understanding some of the physiological backgrounds as far as something like maybe heart size, uh, sometimes there's some adaptations that the males may uh, acquire at a faster pace, depending on age, also with different hormone, hormonal uh, secretions. So understanding those physiological factors can make you may help you make some determinations or at least educate the client or the athlete that you're working with, like, hey, don't, don't uh, be discouraged here or understand why this is happening that way. You know, if you see males like, you know, dropping weight a lot faster. Obviously, we notice because uh, of different types of hormones uh, why they can lose lose uh, fat uh, a lot quicker, non-essential fat faster sometimes than uh, females. But uh, apart from that, I, I like to kind of go with some of the social aspects first. Uh, some females I know are not usually uh, familiar with the weight room area. You know, where the guys, you know, they make that beeline towards the bench press, and that seems to be the thing, especially in community college. I don't know why community college bench press is the thing. You know, <laughs> nobody does a squat ever. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Right? So yeah. it's kind of the macho thing when the lift weights and the ladies want to be away from that. And then you can also understand some things, too, as far as uh, even the other social aspects within the gym as far as, you know, you, you kind of want to lift on your own. I've heard so many females, if we just had a fitness center, just for women, it'd be great. Like that kind of gives me a good, that'd be a cool business model, right? Yeah, 
Uh, I don't know if my wife would allow that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking about to my classes about that where uh, you're mentioning the physio uh, physiological differences between male and female, but because, uh, you know, women can only hypertrophy up to 10%, which is like an increase in muscle size. So uh, I think, like you said, I think it's always been that kind of, I don't know, that stereotype misconception that, you know, for females that lifting heavy is, is not what you want. But kind of like you said, I feel like there's a lot of guys just going, you know, we've been in the weight room a lot over the years and it seems like guys always want to lift too much weight and sometimes girls don't want to lift enough weight, uh, at least yeah. what I've observed. I've observed a lot of that too, although there seems to be a little more trend um, because I know a lot of the ladies are starting to get into lifting yeah. here a little bit more. Yeah. Um, they're still a little bit kind of going back, but you know, the athletic fit, they're noticing that lifting weights uh, actually helps as far as the aesthetics. I think more people look and the general population go for aesthetics, mm -hmm. you know, versus the athlete, athletic world that's looking for performance. Yeah. Uh, but they're noticing from the athletic world uh, you know, you look for female track athletes, you know, aesthetically, you know, the way you're built, you know, the musculature, that's kind of the look that sometimes people are going for. So sometimes it's the goals that you got to ask them what they're doing first, what they're going for, but try to explain to them, you know, what's the health benefits? You know, we're going for health and performance, you know, we're not going for aesthetics because that's yeah. going to wane and, and, and you're going to fall off the map when we're talking about exercise as a physical yeah. regimen, as a better health. And, uh, health and wellness throughout our life yeah. so yeah definitely having the education as far as differences also you know you talked about that with the phys uh, the hormonal part that you brought up but also the heart size you yeah. know males with having a bigger heart bigger, bigger stroke volume uh bigger cardio cardiac output yeah you know you know some of the just having a basic rudimentary knowledge of of our cardiovascular system you know yeah. um and also kind of determine as far as some exercises they they might be uh, willing to uh, come into. There was an interesting study. I wish I had pulled it up. This is how bad a PhD student I'm supposed to have my references set up. But, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, uh, and, and I'll bring it up for your next one. I'll send it to you so you can add it to the yeah, link. Yeah. But it was about um, uh, females actually adhering to more high intensity workouts than males. Like they can actually sustain uh, more sessions of high intensity workout than, than males because they actually are better at recovery uh, due to some uh, estrogen levels uh, in their anabo some anabolic uh, hormones that come with it that are different than males as far as recovery time. Yeah. Uh, where, where males can actually push harder and move a little bit more because of their heart, uh, right. can output a little bit more, yeah. but females can actually sustain it longer, you know, yeah. which is kind of cool. So females yeah. are tough, man, in the, in the weight room. Yeah. It could work. Yeah. So. And then another, and you know, another reason why you'd want to definitely lift weights, you know, as a female is to reduce body fat percentage. Um, and then that's another difference, right? Physiologically, you know, guys have to have at least 3%, you know, females need at least 12%. So, uh, you know, and, and that's a big reason why you want to lift weights too, right? Is the body fat percentage factor. Yeah. It's highly metabolically active. Uh, yeah. Males, females, um, you know, you're just more efficient at your metabolism, mm -hmm. your energy uh, expenditure, if you have musculature. And then also, you know, especially with uh, bone mineral density, 
you know, for females that obviously need that to help reduce the chances for osteoporosis when they get older and in all, all groups. Yeah. Uh, the connective tissue. I think sometimes when we think about lifting weights too, uh, people, you know, you get into the muscle part, right? Obviously, you're working the muscles, but yeah. those muscles are connected to the bones, right? And yeah. then the bones are connected to the bones, ligaments and, and tendons. So we want to think about those connective tissues and strengthening those uh, to help prevent injuries, help better range of movement, and then flexibility, all of that in tandem uh, goes along with your resistant training and then obviously working your heart. So yeah. it's, it's pretty close to the same, but there are differences with it. So it does help that, that difference between male and female. Understanding those intricacies can help you be a better trainer or help you set forth on your exercise routine a whole lot better. Yeah. What, what would you say, like, as far as, like, repetitions and, uh, you know, what's uh, what would that compare to? Because, I mean, I would think off the bat, I mean, it depends on goals, as we know, but, uh, you know, as far as uh, would you want to focus more on muscular endurance if you're a female? Or, I mean, obviously, would, I guess it depends on goals, but what would you say about that? Yeah, probably more with the goals. I mean, if they're starting right off, with anybody, even males, obviously, we'd kind of yeah. build into sets of 15, two sets right. of 15. Yeah. It's usually what I do with main body groups. Yeah. Uh, you know, multi-joint movements first, I kind of do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, you know, squat and, you know, anything like a shoulder press, things like that. And obviously, yeah. I'm going to assess and go lightweight so I can see, you know, form and functional movement, all those type of things, range of motion and then corrective exercises. Cause ultimately it comes down to your movement and how well your movement, cause we're designed to move. Uh, so when you can kind of assess that and people can kind of see that, cause I see a lot of people, you know, you go in the gym, you start moving weight, eventually you'll adapt and, and you'll grow muscle, but you might be moving in such an inefficient way that, you know, uh, at, uh, down the line, you're gonna end up hurting something, right? Yeah. Some, yeah, something's sure. not gonna work out right. So yeah. usually I set off just getting them doing two sets of 15 is a lightweight, uh, sometimes machines just to get a workout, but I'll always have them do a body weight exercise to assess some movement and work on corrective, corrective movement so they can have a, they can get around better. That's what we do. Yep. So, okay. Uh, what about comparing, and this, you can probably speak pretty well on this since you have strength conditioning experience, but uh, what about training for, if you're an athlete, what would you say the biggest differences are in training as an athlete versus a non-athlete? Uh, probably adhering more to the recovery time and the intensity for sure. Uh, the periodization as well, as far as knowing in-season, off-season, what's coming up, uh, when you're going to uptake as far as your particular skills of that sport, uh, that's going to be very important because we're not just looking at health uh, parameters as far as your cardiorespiratory health, uh, flexibility, body composition. I mean, we have all that too, but we're also focusing deeply on skills, acquisitions of agility, coordination, balance, power. So those things have to be incorporated and you can't really just work all of that. You work all of it together, but you can only really focus on one entity at a time. So we may be focusing more on power within a four-week program uh, or break it into an eight-week program. The first four weeks will be power and then moving from power, you know, into force development and things like that, uh, and then going from there into skills acquisition until we really get into where we're um, into game planning or if whatever sport it is, things like that. 
So you really got to work around with the sport versus with the, the novice or the non-athlete, basically, uh, or former athlete that is not into competition level. Uh, you, you can still period, do some periodization, um, but it, you're going to have more different set goals so you can have different levels of recovery. Uh, you can kind of base it through in the week and even do kind of an undutilated type of, of periodization where you kind of go high and then try to rest. And, you know, you have a set routine and switch it up from there. That's why yeah. I usually suggest people that are non-athletes to get into some kind of uh, competition or some of those races and have things to work forward. It kind of helps with your overall workout routine. Mm-hmm. You know, try Spartan race, do a 5K, things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, because even like you kind of said, uh, even a lot of the exercises you do as an athlete, you know, they can benefit a non-athlete too. Um, but it also depends on athletic experience probably because if you're somebody who's 40, 50 years old, never really played sports before, doing, you know, deadlifts and hang cleans, probably not a good idea. But Yeah, and, and you got to think about what's the reason for a power clean anyways. You yeah. know, uh, I tell a, a lot a lot of the – I mean, I do power cleans because I coach them. That's the reason mm-hmm. I like to keep doing them, and they're fun. And being a former athlete, that's, that's fun to do. But do I really necessarily need a power clean? Not really. I'm not playing any kind of, you know, sports where I'm going to need a powerful explosive-type movement, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I've even come to the, to the point where I, they're good as far as working out, and a lot of it transfers into the, the sport pretty well as far as power movements. Yeah. Uh, they probably transfer the best, uh, but I'm I'm more into more of the uh, longer uh, pushing of sleds, you know, for force mm-hmm. development. I think yeah. sled pulling and pushing even helps more than I think uh, uh, power cleans. Matter of fact, I probably should research that. Thanks, Cam. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It seems like sled pulls are getting really trendy right now, but um, yeah, like yourself and other physiologists seem to really like that just because it's I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense. Incorporates muscular endurance, muscular strength, a little bit of cardiovascular. So uh, I can totally see that as a good exercise. Yeah, and it goes on, you know, if you, you know, force times distance divided by time, if you're doing that, you're only producing, you know, producing a lot of force in a power clean. But, I mean, what's the distance that you're going? You're just within the rack right there, right? Compared yeah. to a sled, you're getting down the field, you know, something comparative, you know, or right. wherever you're pulling the sled. Yeah, for sure. And then, so another good population to talk about is older adults. And when I, you know, when we say older adults, we're talking 65 or over. Um, So how would you tell an older adult to to get involved with exercise or what are some emphasis areas there? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's another thing when you're coming at somebody that's older that they're not used to exercising or, you know, that's just something that's not within their cultural norm. It can be kind of a hard barrier to get through. That could be a barrier to, to stopping the exercise. So you really kind of want to approach about the health benefits and more of a social norm is really taking your time. It really helps if someone comes at them that really knows them, uh, that's comfortable with them. And you get them just to do some physical activity. Physical activity, moving from there, then you can kind of move into the more structured stuff as far as exercise. Uh, Some older people, they've always worked out, so they've grown into it. That's why we push younger people to exercise now. So when they do get older in that population, it'll last. Um, 
but those that aren't accustomed to it, it can be kind of harder now. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, they're getting the recommendation from the doctors to exercise, uh, and they'll get some some type of measurement of where to be with that exercise. But it really helps uh, for people to understand more, so they can help their uh, elderly family members or those people in the special population of uh, how it can help them with their aging and the aging process. And that people in that age range can also gain muscle at that age. You know, uh, there's also some correlation between lower muscle mass and lower uh, immune function. So it's one reason why uh, elderly people, it's good for them to do resistant training to build muscle, uh, helps increase with their immune function, or at least there's a correlation between that. Uh, so that's a good thing to know. Um, probably correlating because you're eating healthy as well and you know yeah. you're on an exercise regimen. So exercise yeah. benefits doesn't matter where you're at. And there there's 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 people within that population that you know that are very active. They're playing sports. It's obviously a growing population as well, right? Because people are living longer. Uh, so they want to stay active for the best quality of life they can. Yeah, man, you've said that perfect, because again, you know, as you get older, and I like that you said too, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can start to make positive lifestyle changes. And, you know, the big reason why you want to work out and as you're that old is you want to prevent things like falls, you know, because that's a really common in older adults. And I have relatives who, you know, once you fall, it's it's a lot harder to recover. And because uh, that's, again, your main cause of injury. And then you just want to increase your overall uh, quality of life like you said and things that you take for granted you know as we're younger but when you get older things like stepping over a curb or you know something in the street that you have to you know get out of the way from you know it's it's a lot harder as you get older so uh, but yeah that makes a lot of sense right yeah what about sed so the biggest thing we talk a lot about in our classes now obviously is just sedentary living um, people working, you know, it's probably even more the case now that, you know, working in front of a computer for eight, 10 hours a day. So how, how would you get somebody involved with that as far as maybe certain exercises they can do, or just obviously start to strive towards a healthier lifestyle, but how would you go about that? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I'd first, uh, start by really putting out there, educating them how detrimental it is to be sedentary, yeah. just sitting there. Uh, you know, just, you got to get up and move. We're designed to move. We're not designed to sit, you know, and, and just some basic rudimentary level of, uh, understanding of just sitting down is basically just dying, you know, and you might as well go ahead and just start lighting up a cigarette and drink a beer while you're sitting there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Why if you're going to be, you're going to, if you're going to just be sitting there, but it, it's almost impossible. We do everything with computers now. It's the tool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a utility of, of human beings now, it's, it's, so you can't get away from it. So you got to really fight to, 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 to not be so sedentary. We understand about sedentary death syndrome, yeah. uh, the increase of cardiovascular diseases. Uh, you're thinking about eating, and you're not expending any kind of energy really sitting there, even though you get exhausted from reading all day, looking at stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you got to stand up. I try personally. I try to stand up at the computer. Uh, at least every 20 minutes, I walk around. If there's a video, just try to pace back and forth, find the stairs to go up and down. Yeah. Um, like we're doing our Zoom right now, I decided to do the phone. That way I can get up and move around as well. Yeah. Just a different scenery. Uh, and you really got to try to work out. Because uh, there, there's even things to show that if you work out, you know, on a regular basis, 
you know, but if you're sitting down still for 12 hours, you say you do a good 45 minute workout, you're still uh, barely making the minimum health, yeah. health benefits. You know, you got to do more effort for physical activity. There's got to be some more things. So I definitely just work on education. Yeah, that's true. Very, very well said. So uh, what about you, you have kids? So um, I know there's guidelines for, you know, how much kids should, should work out and all that. But I always say that, you know, just you want kids to be active, you know, play sports, play outside, do things like that. But um, I know childhood obesity is always a concern nowadays, too. But uh, what's your advice for, you know, kids and exercise? Well, well, I basically do like like the the Spartans do. Just stick them outside with a spear and a, a loincloth. <laughs> <and throw them> <laughs> <I like that. laughs> like in the dead of winter. <laughs> See which one comes back. <laughs> Is that what you did to your kids? No, <laughs> yeah, we always do. It's tradition, family tradition. <laughs> like oh, that's funny. <laughs> Come back with a wolf head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it, it's going to take, it's going to take, as far as the parent, uh, this or the caregiver, the guardian, whoever's involved in the child's life, it's going to take a, a, a concerted effort for that person to get out there and work with them. The kids really ain't going to. I mean, they love, you know, they don't even watch movies anymore. They're on the phone, you know? Yeah. Uh, you can't even get them to sit through that. So you're really going to have to be a family-oriented uh, effort for everybody to get out there to move. And someone has going to someone in the in the house is going to have to take leadership of that role, and say, "Hey, we got to do this, and we got to eat right," you know. Well so usually it's the breadwinner or the collective group that's that's uh, uh, building up the income there. Yeah. Uh, but kids, kids do want to move. They want to get around. They just might mm -hmm. not know. Yeah. So they got to be taught. They got to be shown. Mm -hmm. So you got to be the person to show them. Get up there yeah. and, and hey, let's go do it. It don't matter if they're good at baseball, soccer, it doesn't matter. As long as you get up there and do it, and there's other activities other than sports. I, yeah. I think some kids get discouraged because it's, man, I'm not good at sports. It's like, it's not even about that. Hey, we're just going to enjoy ourselves. You know, there's rec leagues away from competitive leagues. And yeah. then you'd be surprised. Sometimes some of those kids, you know, once you showed them that, you know, there might be some raw talent there, and you got yourself a little athlete. You don't even know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then you push them into youth sports and take them out of school and drive them across the nation and force them into a life of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done with that. Like. <laughs> that, that would be unhealthy then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, if we had the option, we'd be playing sports instead of going to get our doctorate degree. <laughs> oh, right. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, what about it? Do you have any other 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 populations you wanted to talk about or s specific groups that when it comes to exercise or anything? Well, I think as far as special populations apart from the uh, elderly community would be uh, handicapped, uh, maybe okay. uh, yeah. some with cognitive disabilities, right. those kind of groups. Mm -hmm. Understanding that they need physical activity too, and there's also families that have children or members in their family that have uh, – physical or physically disabled or handicapped and, and you may be like I can't how can I work out you know and uh, one of my children is always in a wheelchair and he's uh, intense supervision mm -hmm. there's things that you can do as well you know any type of activity uh, they're specially trained individuals if you kind of search for them that can help with people like that uh, children with autism and there 
you have to understand a lot of these people with these in the, these special populations as well have already uh, inherited uh, defects as far as with some maybe heart failures. Uh, there may be some muscle tone uh, uh, deficits there as well where they can really, really benefit and they need exercise uh, to increase that musculature, increase that heart efficiency, uh, help with the uh, neurological transmissions throughout the body and the electrical components that can really aid in their recovery or help them cope with whatever handicap they may have. You know, some of it could be so severe that they might be unable to do anything. Uh, some of it could be the point where you just got to be creative and seek out some some information from trained professionals to help you help them exercise. Uh, and it also helps them feel a part of the community and the family. So I would definitely look at different types of physical movement for people with that, that type of special population, handicap. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you said that actually. I, to be honest, I, I don't have much experience with, with that population, but that's, yeah, you, that was- I'm, I was, I'm trying to think of some other groups. I know we've talked about the older groups, children, yeah. Uh, yeah. certain type of special populations. Yeah. Um, probably one, that group that's kind of looking at the most uh, that would be probably listening to this podcast is probably the collegiate student. Yeah, um, true. Right through there, you know? Yeah. Uh, we understand the collegiate students are probably lack the most amount of sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're always working extra hard. Uh, yeah. They want to go out and exercise. A lot of them want to get buff before the next class so they can show mm -hmm. up their muscles. You know, things like that. <laughs> I, I've, yeah. I, I've always seen that, you know, especially working at the gym sometimes, like, you know, they try to get a quick pump and then I got a class. Like, <laughs> yeah. just get an extra tight shirt. You'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I think that group right there, kind of getting them to understand some, some of the, uh, a little bit more about what's really happening within their bodies. Some basic mm -hmm. understanding of physiologically what's happening, I think would yeah. really help in their collegiate careers, you yeah. know, in their academic life, which will carry over into their professional life. Yeah. Um, and, and even if you want to get even more specific, the community college student uh, mm -hmm. who we work with even more uh, yeah. as far as, you know, their availability of getting to a fitness center, which is even harder with the coronavirus group. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus epidemic, which yeah. that might be a new special population we're not thinking about. People that's that true. have recovered from coronavirus. Yeah, that's true. But there's a lot of healthy people that are catching it too. As a matter of mm -hmm. fact, I, I just read one uh, research where a young man, it was a case study, and there's several case studies where it was uh, young and athletic, and he got, he got the coronavirus, and he had a myocardial infraction from it. Yeah. Which yeah, is no, like, yeah, I, no comorbidities with it or anything. Yeah, no, I've heard some uh, possible heart defects from COVID. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be a population to consider, too. Right. Yeah. You thought about any dissertation topics? Uh, I've been back and forth uh, yeah. uh, looking at high-intensity uh, interval training. Nice. Uh, and, and some of the acute post-cardiac responses to it and possibly heart rate variable. Uh, but it seems like every time I hit advanced search on my EBSCO, it's like there's no, uh, <laughs> there's, there's no quality reviews of this. They're like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's going to be true original research. <laughs> like, wow, yeah, there's nothing in there. So <laughs> how about you? What are you looking at? 
Uh, I'm looking at, it's going to be catered probably to college students and I want to make it kind of a, almost like an awareness questionnaire type research and just to assess students awareness on nutrition and exercise guidelines and all that. That's kind of where I'm leading, but you know, I could wake up tomorrow and it could be something completely different. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to surf for college. Yeah. um so i guess before we go uh do you have any uh, you kind of we hit on this the first podcast but any quick last minute tips or advice on people that are starting an exercise program uh right now during this current time uh just watch watch with the nutrition because nutrition has so much to do as far as with your immune system your recovery time and rest Uh, i mean there's so much that goes into it together but I, I guess as long as you understand your exercise and nutrition, they just have to be married no matter what you do. Uh, so you can be, I'm eating right, but you don't work out. Or I work out, but I'm not eating right. It all has to go together. And then from there, you can get way more involved. But if you got that basic understanding that exercise and nutrition uh, have to be combined to have any type of uh, beneficial effects, then you're on your road to learning awesome so that was a quality podcast there so even better than the first one so thanks to nick giovanetti uh we'll probably have him on a couple more times i assume but uh thanks a lot nick for joining us and everybody else thanks for listening and uh i will see y'all next next week i guess so have a good weekend take care